Good morning, 11.30. How are you guys doing today? Good? Hey, you guys are looking good. You guys are looking really good. It's, is it, hasn't it just been just an amazing weekend here in Indiana with the weather and we got the race happening this afternoon? I mean, come on. Anybody else enjoying this? I know I am, but you guys came, you know, anyway, so you can give it up for yourselves. That's good. Good job. You're here. That's awesome. And I know some are watching online right now as well. Let's go ahead and welcome them too as they join online. We're glad that you could join and share this message because you never know how God could use it to have an impact in somebody's life. And we're going to be uh, jumping into, continue the rest of our series here, which I'm excited about. But if you're new with us, something we say every single week around here is that as a church, we believe that no one is too far from God to experience life change through Jesus. And that as a church, we desire to be a hospital for sinners and not a museum for saints. So no matter where you're at in your faith journey, uh, whether this is your first time in a church or you've been a part of a church for a long time or you're de church, unchurched, it doesn't matter where you're at. I believe that we serve a God who loves you, who has led you here today, who wants to meet you right where you are. He wants to meet you right where you are. So would you just open up yourself to that as we spend this next few moments together here. We're going to be in Genesis 2, so go ahead and turn there with me. Power on your Bibles or grab one in a seat back in front of you to Genesis chapter 2. It's in the very front of your Bible, and we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 3. And it says this, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Uh, many of you know my story that at the age of 16, I left my family overseas in Africa, hopped on the plane, came here to the States, to the suburbs of Chicago, to go to this uh, small private Christian high school to finish out my, my high school years there. And when I came in, it was one of those things where you're new as a kid, you're coming into a new environment, and a lot of these kids had grown up together since like elementary school and had known each other for a long time. So I was just trying to figure out what is my place? What, what am I going to be about? And so sports was kind of the thing that I just decided, boom, that's going to be it for me. So here's what maybe a, a routine looked like, a routine day looked like for me. Wake up early, do a couple hundred sets of sit-ups and some push-ups, get a shower, go to school, go through classes, after school, go work out with the team, practice, get home, grab dinner, go back to the gym, work out some more, did that to get my body in the best shape that I could, went out to play soccer that following year because I figured that would get me in pretty good shape for the basketball season, had a great season doing that, doing two-a-day workouts and all of that, and went really far into the playoffs, and then the basketball season rolled around, and I'm just in great shape. I'm feeling great, feeling like I've finally, you know, achieved something, and halfway through the season, I end up hurting my back just over-exercising and hurting my back. And so I'm walking around hunched over like this. Can you imagine how embarrassing that is as a senior? And carrying around this pillowcase to all my classes so I could sit on it because of all the pain and numbness and everything I was going through and my sister's making fun of me. And I learned a valuable lesson about rest, that rest is one of those concepts or laws that God created and he wove into everything that he made in creation. And when we ignore that important law of rest in our own lives, or Sabbath, as we're going to talk about, that's the biblical term for it, is Sabbath. When we ignore to Sabbath in our lives, that it impacts every single area of our lives. 
Here's what I mean by that, that physically if you ignore rest in your life and you overexercise or you're just constantly going and going and going, you can end up with injuries like what I ended up with. You can end up experiencing like just tiredness all the time. Uh, you can end up feeling different things like high blood pressure, maybe chest pains or tightness or whatever it is. It impacts you literally physically if you don't rest. And then I think mentally and emotionally as well, there's a lot of studies that have been done, even looking at college students who like don't sleep at all, uh, barely sleep, all-nighters, all of that. And they're, they're just saying that a majority of the issues that college students are dealing with, if they would just sleep more, do you know that a majority of those issues would go away on their own? Just showing again the importance of rest. And then relationally, you ever find that when you are tired and you're not resting, you tend to be short? With people in your life, there's more misunderstandings that happen. There's less things you want to go out and do with people when you're tired. So you want to just kind of keep to yourself. So it impacts you relationally. It impacts you spiritually as well. That when you're just on the go, it's easy to drift and to lose focus. And maybe your time with God is what suffers as well as a result of that. And then that can lead to even bigger issues that are existential issues. Where you start just working and over and over again, every day I get up, I work and I do this. And there's activities and kids sports or whatever I'm doing. And then people start hitting these points in their life where they're like, is this really all that there is to life? Just get up and work, 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 do the next thing for the next 30, 40, 50 years and then die someday. Is, there, is this all there is to life? See, rest is such an important area of our lives that we tend to neglect. And today I want to tell you that God created the Sabbath or rest to help us to experience life the way that he intended it. That you cannot experience the life that God desires for you to experience without putting into place a healthy rhythm of resting in God of stopping to take a break. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Will you pray with me? Father, as we approach this table to have a conversation with you today, God, I pray that you would, you would speak to us. Allow us to just hear what you have for us. And each and every person, God, listening to my voice right now, whether in the room or online, I don't know where they're at, but God, you, you know exactly where they're at. Would you meet each and every person right where they are? Would, would they hear just the word that you have for them today? God, allow me to just step out of the way, and would you speak your words, not my words today? In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. If you were here with us, last week we started a new series called Time Out. It has the idea that you see sports teams sometimes, and they're playing a game, and momentum can begin to shift, and people start to get tired and to lose focus, and they just start making some bad decisions out there. And a smart coach does what? He calls time out. Huddles the team up has a conversation with them, sends them back out there, and sometimes those timeouts can change the momentum of a game. And here we are. It's the end of May right now. We're heading into the second half of the year. Many of us have just been living busy lives and doing the next thing. And as a church together, we're just taking a timeout to say, hey, let's just take a timeout. Be reminded who we are in God, which is what we talked about last week, that Jesus had this habit in his life of getting away with the Father, just to commune with God, being reminded who he is in God. And then Let's talk about what does rest look like? How do we put into place some healthy rhythms that our souls can actually thrive in as we continue to live the life that God has for us? So today we're going to be talking about this idea of rest and how we can't experience the life that God desires for us without resting in Him. And in order to do that, we really have to understand this concept of rest that God created on the, seventh, on the sixth day for the seventh day. And when you want to understand that and you begin to look at the creation account, 
Something you realize quickly is that God created rhythm into everything that he created. All of creation has a rhythm that God made it with. And as the creator, by the way, he knows the best way for us to live this life. Like, for example, we have this argument in my house, and it's one that maybe you have in your house as well that could, like, break families apart. And the argument is over toilet paper. Is it over or under? Anybody, any over people in here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys are my people. Yeah, that's right. Uh, any under people in here? Shame on all three of you. Um, <laughs> But I had to go back and look at the actual patent that was filed and who created toilet paper to find out that the right way to do it, in fact, is over. Because it allows you to see where the toilet paper, where the break is, where the start is. For some of you, like type A people that like count the squares, you can count the squares better that way. It's important for us to look at the creator and his initial creation and his intent. And when you read the scriptures, it's so quick to figure out that God built rhythm into everything that he made. In fact, read in Genesis 1 verses 14 through 19. It says, and God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate day from night and let them be signs for seasons and for days and for years. Let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. So there was rhythm that God built into everything he made. That's why we have seconds that make up minutes, that make up hours, that make up days, that make up weeks, that make up months, that make up seasons, that make up years. That's why we, have, we, we live in this... Uh, orbit that we orbit around the sun that makes up a year like there's just so many things that God built into our world with rhythm that's why as we're worshiping today this morning all the musicians and the team up here they have in-ears that have a click track that is keeping them on beat as we're worshiping because there's rhythm to everything that God created and by the way God created rhythm into you as well you have a heart in your chest right now that is beating for some of us, maybe faster than others, but you have a heart that is beating in your chest right now. And you have that breath that you are breathing in and breathing out. And there's a whole process that happens with that, that is keeping you alive and energizing your body and giving your body life. God made rhythm into everything that it built. And I think that I have to say, though, as we're talking about this, that God maybe gave some of us a little bit more rhythm than others. Here's what I mean by that. I think that God, when he was putting rhythm in all of us people like he got to Africa he's like you guys a little bit extra rhythm over here he got to Latin America he's like a little bit extra here Northern America I'm gonna skip over that Canada I'm gonna skip over that and that's why like I, I kid you not the first time ever I heard the wobble dance at a wedding it was my cousin's wedding it's an African wedding I never heard this song before it starts playing I'm like man what is this this is kind of fun people are out there dancing I just hop up on the dance floor I'm like What's going on? Next thing you know, I'm just wobble, baby, wobble, baby, wobble, baby, wobble, wobble, baby, wobble. The Cupid shuffle comes on. To the right, to the right, to the right, to the left, to the left. Now kick, now kick. Or you get to church, the African church. Yeah. Thank you for that. I appreciate that, Smith family. Or you get to church. Have you ever been to an African church before? Oh, my goodness. We're just in there, you know, just doing our thing. We worship you. 
hallelujah, hallelujah. And all the white people are like, how, how do I clap? How do I do this? <laughs> and by the way, speaking of Spanish, uh, in Latin America, did you guys hear that Mercy Road Espanol is launching in August? It's going to be amazing. I'm excited about it. It's going to be so great to see what God is doing. And if you don't know how to clap, you should come to that service. They will teach you how to clap and dance. But like God made rhythm into everything that he made and created around us. And sometimes when we go against those rhythms, that's when all of these issues begin to come up in our lives. And the rhythm that God made was a rhythm of work and rest. But it was intended and designed for us to work out of a place of rest. Rather than resting to escape the work in our lives and to get away from our life. Here's what I mean by that. That you read Genesis and God creates Adam and Eve day six. And their whole purpose is to work. So he creates them and then their first full day, day seven, they're like, all right, we're ready to work now. And God is like, no, actually, uh, I've set apart that day. We're going to rest. It's holy and I'm blessing it. Because God intended for them to experience rest in him. To be reminded that he is the creator. He is their source to find rest in him and then out of that rest to be able to then go and work. And if you've been through any one of our discipleship huddles, we talk about this when we talk about the semicircle and kind of this balance of abiding in Christ and how that leads to fruitfulness and growth in our lives. And as we're doing that and we're beginning to get out of balance, maybe that he prunes some things in our lives to bring us back to that place of rest in him. And the more we're resting, the more fruitful we are because God intended for this rhythm of us to rest in him and then to work out of that place of rest in him. Work six days, rest one day. That is the rhythm that he gave us. And in fact, he further drives that point and expands on this idea more in the Ten Commandments. That now more than just modeling it as he did for Adam and Eve, he actually gives it as a commandment to his people in Exodus 20. And it says this, verse 8, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You are to labor six days and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord. The word Sabbath here is the Hebrew word Shabbat. It means to stop from all your labors. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord, your God. You must not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male or female servants, your livestock or the resident alien who is within your city gates. For the Lord God made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything in them in six days, then he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath and he declared it holy. So here God is actually commanding them. Hey, you are to keep the Sabbath. And if I'm being honest and vulnerable with you guys a little bit this morning, that for me, breaking the fourth commandment has become a sin in my life that I'm way too comfortable with. Way too often in my life, more than I care to admit. Because I tend to find myself and I'm just going through life and there's the next thing I got to do and the next person I got to call and I'm in ministry so it's all the more harder to really disengage because well there's so many lost people to reach and all these needs of a growing church and all these well it's just one more phone call let me just send one more email and breaking the fourth commandment and not keeping the Sabbath becomes a sin that we are way too comfortable with in our own lives. Not realizing that God has given us these commandments, not because he's trying to withhold anything from us, not to burden us, but because he wants to bless us, because he knows what is best for us. As the creator, he knows the best way that you and I are called to live in this world. And that's why David writes this in Psalm 16. He says, the Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. 
The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. What is David saying? He's saying as he, as he reads all of God's commandments and his laws, what he finds is actually delight in them. What he finds is a blessing in them. That those boundaries that God sets for us, anytime God commands, it's not because he's trying to withhold some fun from you, keep something from you, all of you FOMO people in here. When God commands, it's because he wants to bless you and because he wants the best for you. And too often in our lives, this becomes just an area that we're like, yeah, God, I, I know you commanded that, but it's just going to be an optional thing. I'll get to the whole rest thing when I'm able to, not realizing that God wants to bless us through this. And we fail to recognize that we cannot experience life the way that he intended for us to without a regular habit of Sabbath in our lives. And if you're taking notes, number two, God created the Sabbath as a blessing, not a burden to us. God created the Sabbath to be a blessing to you, not a burden to you. Any parents in here in the room? Yeah? So we've got three kids, five, three, and then 10 months old. And the number one fight in our house every single day is nap time and bedtime. The kids just refuse to nap. So we'll, you know, send them to their rooms, go nap, and they don't want to nap. And you know, on those days when they don't nap, what happens? It's a really bad day for them and for us, right? They just start to act out of sorts, and there's discipline issues that come up those days. Those are just really hard days for us. And when they nap, those tend to be a lot better for us. They're actually happier. They function better. They listen better. They eat better. Everything just works out better if they will just nap in their lives. And I think so many of us, we tend to treat the Sabbath like my kids do their nap time. Like, well, God is putting me in time out to keep me from experiencing all these things. And even for my kids who have all these toys and fun things to do, and they don't want to nap because they feel like they're missing out. And I'm like, no, no, no. If you will nap, trust me, your playtime after nap time is going to be way better. We're going to get to go to the park, and we're going to get to do all these fun things because you're listening better. Here's the blessing that comes in that. And many of us, we just tend to treat the Sabbath as this burden that God has placed on us, not viewing it as a blessing for us that is meant to actually help us to enjoy life more. And what happens is that when we don't get rest in our lives, where God intends for us to get rest, that we begin to get it in other unhealthy places. So we choose to pursue rest in maybe alcohol or drugs or pornography or binge watching, binge eating, binge shopping, binge, whatever you name it, all these other unhealthy places that we begin to run to to find rest in our lives, we begin to pursue unhealthy relationships, we begin to just say, well, if I just were to have this thing, or if I were just to do that, and over and over again, it's growing out of this place of lack of rest in our lives because we've chosen to not obey God's command, to Sabbath, and to stop and to be reminded that He's our source so that we'd actually live the way that He intends for us to live. And it's coming out in all these unhealthy ways. And for some of you, your rest or your Sabbath actually becomes the sickness that you're going through right now. That you know that your body sometimes will break down and get sick. So you get colds or whatever it is because you're under stress and you're not resting. And it's one of the ways that God built that again into you to tell you, to force you to stop. And for some of us, the sickness that we're going through becomes the Sabbath in our lives. And God just never intended for us to live that way. He intends for us to work six days, to rest for one day, to be reminded that he is our source. He is our, he's our provider. God is not trying to 
withhold something from you. He's trying to bless you and trying to help you to live life the most and to get the most out of life. You know, at the start of this month, we took a vacation. We just had a whirlwind of a year last year with having a baby, with selling a house, buying a house, moving, starting new jobs, new community, new church, all of it. In the midst of all of that, something that we neglected to do was we just never took a vacation last year. So last minute, we say, all right, we're going to do it. We booked a vacation, went on vacation. We're there for a couple days, and I finally am relaxed enough. So one morning, I'm just there, and I'm just, you know, making breakfast, and again, a little music is on, maybe a little bit of dancing going on. I'm making jokes with the kids, telling them all my dad jokes, which I call bad jokes, by the way, because they're terrible. And the kids don't think it's funny, but I think they're funny. And Shayna looks at me at one point. She's sitting at the kitchen table, and she says, is this what you would be like if you weren't working? And we laughed about it. And then the whole rest of that week, that statement just haunted and wrecked me. That, see, because I've been neglecting Sabbath in my own life, if I'm just been being vulnerable here because I've neglected it so many times in my own life that what my wife and my kids end up getting is not the best of me. They end up getting a dad who is just stressed and always on to the next thing and a dad who doesn't laugh enough, a dad who doesn't tell enough jokes, a dad who won't dance around the kitchen with them and all these different things in my life that my family is missing out on, that I am missing out on because I've neglected the Sabbath in my life. God gave you the Sabbath to be a great blessing to you and a great blessing to all the people in your life if you will begin to take that seriously. And number three, God gave us the Sabbath to help us to live a Godward life. What do I mean by that? That word Godward might be new for some of you. Let's put up the definition. Godward literally just means toward God. That you've met some people before in your life, I'm sure, and you meet that person, you talk to them. It doesn't take long to figure out that that person, they are living their life so focused on God and God is the purpose, purpose for their life, who they are serving. They don't even have to be in ministry. They could be in the business world, whatever it is, or a neighbor. You're just like, there is something about this person that tells me the way that they are living, they are living a Godward life that is directed towards God. Here's how I define Godward. It is to live life focused on God for God, with God, in God, and to God's glory. And that's the kind of life that he's called every single one of us to live. And when we begin to put into place a Sabbath practice in our life, it allows us to stop long enough to connect and to commune with God, to be able to ask some of these questions of life, to even examine our lives and say, am I living for God in this area? Am I pursuing his will for my life? Is there anything in my life that God is intending to prune out of my life right now that I need to get rid of in my life? How do I redirect and continue to live in a God, in a God word way? Because here's the reality is we live in a wayward world. And in a wayward world, the Sabbath helps us to live a God word life. That's why we did this series earlier this year called No Other Gods, where we talked about different idols that can just creep in our lives. The next thing you know, you are living and pursuing that thing in your life that is acting like the God in your life that God never intended for it to be. He wants to be the God in your life. And when you put into place Sabbath, it allows you to slow down enough to actually experience community and relationship with him, to help you grounded and rooted in him, to realize that he is your source. And the Sabbath also helps you to learn to depend on God, to depend on God. That some of us, the reason why we are 
so driven and we work so hard and we do all these things is because we believe this lie of we are a self-made person. Can I just tell you that there's no such thing as a self-made Christian? I look at my life and all the best things that have happened to me have all been God orchestrating meetings or different people or whatever it is. All these circumstances in my life, all the best things that have happened to me haven't been me just going out there, go make it happen, go hustle, grind all day, no days off. It's always been God and God and God over and over again. That's why he tells us in Deuteronomy, it is the Lord your God who gives you the ability to work and to make wealth. Literally, that promotion you got, that job you have, all of it has been God. It hasn't been you making it happen for yourself. There is no such thing as a self-made Christian. And the Sabbath helps us to remember that God is our source. And it helps us to remember that God can do more in your life in six days than you can with seven. God can do far more in your life in six days than you can with seven. And we sometimes think, if I just work more, I'll just produce more, I'll just accomplish more. And God is saying, no, you honor me with the six days, work hard, rest for a day, keep it holy because I've blessed it, I've kept it sacred, and you just see what I do. If you don't trust me on that, just go ask Chick-fil-A. How are they doing business-wise? Closed on Sundays. I know it's annoying. Every time I want a sandwich, it's on a Sunday. But they have just honored God in that way. And I've just seen God continue to bless that business in such an incredible way. And it's the same reason why we tithe, guys. Because when we tithe, when we choose to give that first 10% to God, we're saying, God, I believe that you can provide for me way more with 90% than I can provide for myself with 100% of my finances. So are you putting into place a Sabbath practice that can allow you to just be reminded that God is your source, that he's put this guardrail into your life to be a blessing to you, not a burden to you. God is not some buzzkill who's trying to uh, keep you from experiencing life. He's trying to actually make your life deeper and richer and better if you will just honor him in this way. Well, if we're going to Sabbath well, how do we do that? I just want to give you some practical tips here as we wrap up. If we're going to Sabbath well, how do I Sabbath well? Number one, work hard, but know when to stop. Work hard, but know when to stop. That one of my mentors told me this, that he has in place for him finish lines for every day, for every week, for every month, and then for every year. Maybe another way to think of it is this, that when you go about your day to say, I'm going to work hard for these hours, and when I'm off, I'm going to be off. I'm going to turn off the laptop, silence the phone, whatever it is. When I am off, I'm actually going to choose to stop every day. Another way to think of it is that if you have 24 hours in a day, choose to sleep for eight hours. I know like, it sounds like a lot for some of you. So sleep for eight hours, work for eight hours. Spend four hours of your day engaging, doing something active, and then spend four hours of your day disengaging or slowing down and connecting with God. And maybe that's a rhythm that might help you a little bit, but also realizing that one of the ways that you can actually Sabbath and rest well is by actually working hard. That we, We've all been there before where you just go to the office and some of those days you know you're mailing it in, you're not working hard that day, you weren't productive that day, and you get home, isn't that those days when you tend to be so restless, so it's like 11 o'clock at night and you're going to the fridge, grabbing salsa, a bag of chips, you can't sleep, you're tossing, you're turning because you just haven't been productive the other hours of the day, and now you can't rest. So one of the ways that you can actually Sabbath well is by learning also this blessing that God gave us to work hard. 
that you see work in the garden. They had work even before the, before the fall. Work was God, what God created and gave them the command to go and to do, to work the land and to keep it. So when we learn to work hard, that actually allows us to be able to then stop at the end of the day to feel good about what we've done, to say, I've worked hard, I've done my best. God, I trust you with the rest, and I'm going to choose to rest in you now and know that what I've done is enough. God, you're going to bless and you're going to multiply that. So for some of us, we actually need to learn to stop, but some of us, we need to learn how to work hard because we're just not working hard right now. So work hard, but know when to stop. Number two, make a plan and then work your plan. Like some of us, we are so good at planning out our work. Look at our work calendar. All the meetings are lined up and everything is scheduled in there, but then we fail to plan our rest time or our Sabbath. Not realizing that the time that we have off and that rest time actually impacts the work that we do. And so are you planning out your rest time and saying, this is the day that I'm going to rest. This is the time of day where I'm going to stop to connect and commune with God. For me, a practice that I had for many years was that on Monday morning, the first couple hours was a quiet time for me in the office where I would close the door or whatever it is, find a quiet place to sit down, to read my Bible, to pray, to review the, four, the past week that we just finished, to begin to make a list of to-dos or just even things that were on my mind, things that were weighing me down. And that to-do list would turn into a cares list and a prayer list because as scripture says, to cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. And that became a way for me to just say, hey, whatever burden I have this week, God, I'm going to cast all my cares on you today and choose to trust you this week as I go about my work. So what is it for you that is maybe a routine or something you need to plan that will allow you to actually connect with God in a way that would be meaningful, that would be restful and restorative for you? And here are some helpful questions to ask. I would ask yourself, like, what helps me to commune with God the best? Is that Bible reading for you? Is it listening to worship music? Is it journaling? Is it going on a walk in nature? Like, what, what is it for you? Actually take time and process through that. The times in my life when I felt like I've connected with God the best, what have been those activities or places or whatever it was in my life that allowed me to connect with God the best and then put into place doing that on your Sabbath day. Because this is meant to be a holy day that is set apart for God. So put that into place in your life. What is restful for me? Uh, we all rest differently. I tend to be an active person. I've got to be out, you know, doing something. Some of us are extroverts. Some of us are introverts. This is where personality tests are helpful. Because for the introvert, for you, maybe being around large groups of people is not going to be the most restful thing for you when you're taking your Sabbath. So maybe that's getting alone and quiet, maybe out in nature or whatever it is, spending alone time with God. And for the extrovert, maybe for you, it's going out to brunch, grabbing coffee with somebody that is life-giving for you. So figuring out what is most restful for me as a person? How did God wire me and how do I do that in my life and enjoy rest? And then lastly, to ask the question, what helps me enjoy life the most? Do you know that God actually created life and everything around for you to enjoy it? I know that in the, in the church, sometimes we've lost this theology of fun and enjoyment of life that sometimes you can feel like around church, we're so serious, you know, all the time. But God created everything around us to have fun, to enjoy nature, to enjoy creation. So what is it for you that allows you to enjoy creation, God's creation so much so that you can actually be filled with gratitude and thank the creator as you do it? And I would encourage you to make that a regular part of your Sabbath as well. And then lastly, don't do it alone. Don't do it alone. 
Some of us are better in this area than others are, and that's why we're, our faith is a communal faith. It's not this individual. Just me and Jesus, no, 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 no. You're part of a body. You're part of a family, so don't do it alone. And I remember growing up, I grew up overseas on a seminary campus, and they, at one point in my childhood, put into place this rule on campus that there was mandatory nap hours for everybody. I hated it as a kid. As an adult, I wish we had it. I wish we could go back to that. Because what would happen during those mandatory nap hours was if you were a kid and you were out walking around, anybody in that community, whether they were your parent or not, could find you walking around. They would send you back to your home. You go take a nap. You go rest. And can you imagine how healthy that was for that community that we lived in? And that's why we have each other, to be able to hold one another accountable in this way. As I talked about earlier, this is a commandment that God gave us. When we don't obey his commandments, we are living out of sin, meaning we are missing the mark for how he intends for us to live. So what would it look like if we started to hold each other accountable in this way? And a couple months ago, Pastor Josh heard from another staff member who, out of love for me, expressed to Pastor Josh that I had not been taking my days off. And so he called me one day, and we're talking about other work-related stuff. And at the end, he's like, oh, yeah, and by the way, one more thing. And he's like, hey, I heard that you haven't been taking your days off, and take a day off. (laughs) And at the moment, I was like, wow, okay, Uh, yeah, yeah, he called me out on that. But do you know how grateful I am now for him stepping into my life and holding me accountable in that way? Because he just realizes that as a pastor, as a husband, As a father, if I don't put into place some healthy boundaries in my life of taking this time off, that it is going to impact the church, it is going to impact my marriage, it is going to impact my parenting, everything around me, it impacts the mission. And so out of love for me, he held me accountable in that way. So can we hold each other accountable and help one another in love to continue to live this out in our lives? And some of you in here, the blessing that you can be for somebody else is that we look around this church and there's so many young families in here. I'm in that category myself. And the times when somebody from this church has offered and said, hey, can I just come watch your kids? Can I just come clean your house? Give you guys a couple hours for you guys to rest. Do whatever you have to do. Do you know how much of a blessing that's been to us? Or like this weekend, for example, that my parents in Chicago, they have the two older kids. They've been gone for four days now. I woke up on Saturday. I was brewing my coffee. I could hear myself breathe in my own house. It freaked me out. I don't know the last time my house was that quiet, but... Do you know how much of a blessing that's been to us? So maybe you're in a different season right now and God just wants to use you to be a blessing to the young mom who is just managing so many kids and so many things going on. And that can be one of the ways that we just help and serve one another. Or even you can offer to say, hey, like maybe it's household chores that are just getting out of hand. Can I come do the laundry for you? Hey, can I come mow your lawn for you? Can I run some errands for you? How can I help you? so that we would all continue to experience rest in God because we will never live the life that God intends for us and desires for us to live if we do not practice the Sabbath in our lives. I look back to my high school injury, hurting my back and being in pain and being laid up for all that time. And on the outside, it just looked like a, a physical injury. But on the inside, there was something so much deeper that was happening there. And sometimes identifying the root cause of why we refuse to take a Sabbath day and we refuse to stop and to rest can actually help provide a lot of healing for us. And for me, some of that root cause I've been able to identify in my life is that every assessment I've taken tells me that I am the super driven kind of personality and I'm always doing a million different things and taking on projects at home, at the church and 
coming here to the States as a first-generation immigrant, I had this mindset of, man, my parents are sending me to the U.S. to go study, do school there. I cannot fail, so I have to push myself to win and to achieve. And those things were driving me to not rest and to push myself to a breaking point where I injured myself. And what is it for you in your life that is driving you to take on all these different activities, to do a million things and constantly being a busybody and missing out on the life that God desires for you. What is it for you in your life that is the root cause of maybe why Sabbath is such a struggle for you? And the sooner you can identify that, if it's a desire to please people, if it's a desire to achieve things and do something for your life, or if it's just a FOMO of like, I just don't want to miss out. There's so many fun things to do. If you will identify that and choose to surrender that to God and choose to be obedient in this area, God wants to use the Sabbath and rest in your life to bless you in a way that you cannot even begin to imagine. Your health will thank you for it. Your faith will thank you for it. Your relationships will thank you for it. Your wife, your kids, all the people around you will reap this blessing and this benefit of you choosing to honor the fourth commandment and to rest in God. Let me pray for you. As we close out our time, I want to give you this invitation that Jesus himself gave. And he says this as an invitation to every single one of us. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And that's the invitation he has for you today. If you are weary, if you are tired, if you are anxious, overwhelmed today, Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. You will find rest for your soul. So if that's you and you just want to receive his rest today, would you just hold your hands out in front of you, open-handed, Hold your palms open-handed like this in front of you in a posture of receiving this morning. And then I want to pray for you that you would receive his rest today. Let's pray. Father, I just want to pray for every single person who's listening to this right now, whether in the room, whether online. And Father, they are feeling weary, tired, overwhelmed, anxious, God, I pray that no matter where they are, that you would meet them right where they are today. Would they know how much, God, you love them, how much you desire for them to experience this life? Father, how much you want to give them rest today. I pray that they would experience the restoration of their soul that your word talks about. As David writes in Psalm 23, that God, you restore my soul. God, we believe that you can restore our souls today. So God, we just come. God, we cast all of our cares on you, all of our burdens. We lay them down at the foot of the cross to find freedom. Father, we pray for your forgiveness for the times that we've neglected to obey you in this area in our lives. And today, God, we're choosing to live differently. We're choosing to begin to be obedient in this area, to honor you in this area of our lives. So would you come, God, would you help us? Would you restore us? Would you strengthen us? In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen, amen.